0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: listening to scott wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth you call these bagels it's bagels and bad beats with scott wetzel
2: Hour number two of Bagels and Bad Beats on this Tuesday, July 28th. Morning. Here's truly Scott Wetzel sitting in, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern Time. 844 843 6879 is our toll free telephone number. Again, 844 843 6879. Follow me on Twitter at Opposite Picks. Email me, go to the website, hit the contact Scott icon. And you also watch us on uh, YouTube and uh, conversing back and forth with a couple of guys uh, there about the Mookie bets and a couple of other little topics. Baseball yesterday, the big story off the field. couple of games postponed because of the coronavirus. Another game rained out, but... Uh, the coronavirus, obviously, the main topic of the day. And will this be the beginning of the end for Major League Baseball? The commissioner yesterday uh, said, no, that's not the case. Uh, they're just going to up the uh, the parameters a little bit on, on keeping this thing safe. But uh, at this point, he's not thinking about shutting down the season. Now he's going to say that. Ultimately, it's got to be in the back of his mind, but for now, he's uh, putting up the good front saying, no, that's not the case, so don't even think about it. On the field last night, got a couple of good games. Uh, Cubs nearly blew a 6-0 lead. Craig Kimbrell uh, was awful in the ninth inning, couldn't get the save. They had to come in. Uh, they do end up winning it 8-7, to seven, but if you were laying a run and a half with the Cubbies, you got to be just completely disgusted because they were up 7-1 in the seventh inning. Yeah, the Brewers and Pirates in a wild one. This was 1-1 late in the game. If you had the under, you went to bed thinking it was a winner. Sorry to break the news to you, but uh, as you heard maybe in the update, uh, it was a 6-5 final. Milwaukee wins in 11 innings over Pittsburgh, as we saw the you know, runner on second base come into play. Astros spot the Mariners a 3-0 lead, win going away 8-5. They've now beaten them now, what is it now, 19 of 20 games. Amazing. Our beloved Red Sox got pounded by the Mets seven to four, so not a good sign there. And the Reds lose again, uh, as I mentioned, uh, putting a little little pin in their uh, Cinderella hopes. And then Toronto, with a nice win uh, at Washington, four to one. And in a game that you would have thought, you know, Washington uh, had all the cards. They were at home, played a home series before. Toronto was down in Tampa, they had to fly up to Washington, and and lo and behold, they get a four one win. Uh, not a bad thought of going against the Nationals. Uh, with their manager more worried about his health, and rightfully so, than baseball. Not a bad go against team. Really not bad at all. Football talk, hockey, NBA, all coming up. It was a bad beat, it's on Tuesday night. You don't know how to tell the truth.
1: Yeah. I'm a fool. it's obviously going to be a, a different uh, off-season, different season, different practice, different, you know, but it's a different world too. And so, you know, trying to come up again, like some innovative ways how we can incorporate the within the rules, the things that we can do and still maintain a healthy environment for our players and, and our coaches, um, I think is the, the most important thing, trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to, to take advantage of the rules and be successful on the field at the same time, with, with still staying being safe, and uh, you know, because we don't want any of our players to get this, or any of our coaches, or really anybody. You know, we all want it over with. If I could invent one of those uh, the vaccines, then I'd be we we give it to our guys and no one else. No, I'm kidding. What a great opportunity! It's it's a very unique time. We think we're going to put the players in a, a position where the, they're they're safe. It's it's a responsibility though at the same time. So it's a responsibility uh, for the coaches, for uh, the players, and anybody dealing with the players to uh, to take responsibility to follow the, those uh,
2: the format that's set for us uh, to fight this this, this virus and, and still have an opportunity to play football.
1: For everybody that I spoke to, everybody respects the decision 100%. I mean, Larry's a guy who who loves football, but he also loves his, his other passions. And being a doctor is, is extremely important, especially at this time that we're at in this world. And so for him, I know he's. it's difficult for him. He wants to be out here with us. He wants to be a part of us. He wants to be a part of the guys. Um, um, but at the same time, he wants to make sure he's doing something to make the world a better place. And I believe that he is doing that. He's seen it firsthand, and he understands that he needs to be in that place now. And we're going to respect it and give him as much
2: support as we can. Bengals and Bad Beats on a Tuesday morning, 844 843 6879. We'll head back to the phones here in a little bit. A couple of tweets and emails uh, as well. From top to bottom, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, uh, Chef's head coach Andy Reid, and then uh, KC quarterback Pat Mahomes talking about the offensive line his teammate that decided that he's going to hang him up and then fight the virus in essence uh, versus uh, playing football. All talking about the COVID virus and what's going to happen with the NFL. And there is some buzz out there that the NFL and I forget if we discussed it here in the podcast, when you do so many shows, you kind of forget you know, where things were brought up. But I, I did bring up somewhere along the line that if the NFL owners were able to absolutely positively guarantee 10 regular season games and a full postseason, they would sign up for that right now versus risking, you know, hopefully getting all 16 regular season games in the postseason, season, but maybe not getting anything in. I think they would sign up for the uh, 10 games. Uh, with the guarantee that the season will be played. Now there's some buzz about maybe the season only going 10 or 12 games. You know, we say it, and, and, you know, naturally the league listens. So, but I I would offer up this, you know, and listen, if, if it's a virus that spreads around the NFL, then, you know, no matter how long you wait, you have to shut it down. But you are, need I remind the NFL, you are the monster in the room. You do whatever the fudge you want. You don't have to wait on anybody else. It's not like (coughs) you are going to say, well, you know, we don't want to go up with college basketball, or we don't want to go up with the start of a baseball season or any other particular sport. You're the beast. You get to do whatever the fudge you want. You don't have to worry about these other sports. So point being, if you're hell bent on playing 16 games, there's nothing written in stone that says you have to start the season September whatever they're starting this year, 9th. You could start in October. You could push the Super Bowl off a full month. Heck, you could do it two months to tell you the truth. You do whatever you want. Again, you're the NFL. No matter what you do, it's not like the networks are going to say, "Nah, we, we don't want the NFL in, in late February or March. There, there's too much going on. Really? What, what's going on in February? Absolutely nothing. Take a look at the sports calendar in February. There is nothing—I mean, nothing—going on unless you like regular season play. So there's no reason why the NFL, in my mind, anyway, would say, "All right," and rather than having 16 games and making all that extra revenue from the networks, albeit no fans in the stands, but you know, all those extra games uh, and and revenue for the TV networks, we'll, we'll don't do that. We'll cut it down to 10 or or maybe 12 versus, all right, we want these 16 games. We need all this money. So let's not start at September 9th. Let's start at, you know, October 1st or October 9th. Let's wait a month and have the Super Bowl again. Instead of having the Super Bowl the first week of February, we just have it the first week of March. what well, what's the big deal? You have the stadiums. It's not like basketball when you got to share the stadiums with the NHL. You know, all the teams own these stadiums, so they could do, for the most part, so they could do whatever they want and play whenever they want. There's no other teams, uh, you know, that are vying for these stadiums. There's no college football and NFL team that are going back and forth. So you get to play the season a month later. Is that the the end of the world? Again, if the alternative is to play 12 games, you know, I'm thinking that the NFL is saying – All right, we think the virus is too bad to play in September, but for some reason or other, we think the virus is going to be okay in October. I don't know what would make them think that at this point, to tell you the truth. I mean, it's been a slow, uh, perhaps steady progress in trying to find a vaccine, but I don't think they're on the cusp of saying, okay, here we go, give us one more month and we're going to have a a vaccination that everyone's going to be able to take and we don't have to worry about this anymore. I mean, if that's what they're banking on, I mean, you either can play the season or you can't. We're either going to have this virus through the rest of 2020 calendar year or we're not. I I don't think we're at the point of, well, give us a couple of more weeks. You know, we can't start September, but we could start in October. I, I, I just don't see that. I, I could be wrong. I'm not on the inside, but I don't see it. So I would just say, you know what, 16 games, we're going to get it in, come hell or high water, unless they're saying we're going to do both. We are going to have to start this thing in, you know, November, not October. We're going to give us two more months to find some miracle cure. And we're still going to push the Super Bowl back another month because we've lost two months. So we're going to cut a month. Where's the of games off the slate? And then we're going to go another month later. You know, they, they could do that. But again, theoretically, you're the monster in the room. You do whatever you want. You want to play games in April. Are, are you really that concerned about college basketball's Final Four? No. Or the or March Madness? No. You know, Major League Baseball, you know, are you really concerned about that? No. A- NBA or NHL playoffs? No. You're not concerned about any of that stuff. You do, as the NFL does, whatever they want. So unless it got into, you know, the middle of next year in the summertime, other than that. I think the NFL has a good two months, a good two months to play with maybe even three, you know, especially if they are willing to reduce it a couple of games. Uh, and I would think they would be if, if need be, but otherwise 16 games, instead of ending at the beginning of Mar- uh, February, you know, more, I, I would say at, at worst, you know, beginning of April and maybe even the beginning of uh, May. Right. I, I mean, again, you could play in, in April. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It'd get kind of hot, but, you know, it's not steaming hot. So rather than lose the season, draft and all that other stuff, obviously, for the following year would have to get pushed back. But, you know, those are, are no big deal. No uh, no boundaries that can't be overtaken by the NFL. So do what you want. But I would not be so quick to, uh, to write off a 16-game schedule like they're talking about. And I, I just don't get what. That really would accomplish, uh, unless they're already considering on pushing the start of the season. And then Richard Sherman yesterday saying that, well, you know what, he doesn't see the league shutting down. Uh, you know, listen, you can read things a certain way. And and knowing Sherman, as we all do, generally gets a negative connotation. So he's saying, hey, you know, they're gonna shut down if, if 10 people get it or 15 people, 50 people get it. He's saying no. Uh, remove those people, just replace them, the new people, and continue playing the game. If if half a team gets it, forfeit the game. Next game, keep moving forward. That's the way he sees the NFL. And you know what? That's right. You know, you may look at it as a negative. I look at it as a fan, as a positive. I, I'm looking at it as, yeah, I don't need a Miami Marlins to shut Major League Baseball down. I don't need a Cincinnati Bungles team to shut uh, the NFL down if they should happen to all get the virus, you know, God forbid. I, I just, You know what? I, I need something more than that. I need a real, real outbreak. Um, I know if someone seriously got hurt, that would probably do the trick as well. But if it's just a matter of numbers, no, you're going to get numbers. You just – it is what it is. You're going to get numbers. It's, you know, a contact sport. You're living in basically a bubble, even though you're not a bubble bubble. But when you have as many players and locker rooms and everything else, it's going to happen. So – for him to kind of sound off like it's a negative that if uh, 5 to 10, 15 people get it, they're just going to move forward. I view that as a positive. But, of course, you know, I'm Mr. Positive, as we all like to know. 844-843-6879. Phone line back. Open some calls coming up next right here on David the Bad Beat. it Scott. got left.
1: and right in the middle of the mix was Clowney. Nice reaction. Clowney on the right side. And he's going to smell this. Look, he's rushing. And then right now he sees Dalton come back. Jumps up. On second down and four. mixing going nowhere. So so you are right there, Adam. Yes. All right, Gene Steratore from New York. Here's Dalton on second and goal. Flushed out of the pocket. Towards the sideline. Clowney giving chase. That's a sight no quarterback wants to see. It just opens it up and gives you a little bit of a...
2: Nagels and Bad Beats on a Tuesday morning, eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. 843 6879 A couple of highlights from uh, one uh, J.B. on Clowney, courtesy of, uh, I do believe that's CBS Sports. Well, you know you're desperate when you call on the New York Jets to sign you. And that, that is the case with one J.B. on Clowney. Uh, that, you know, when, when you want to go to the New York Jets... No offense, as a Dolphin fan, my team's not that much better. But, you know, we've seemingly seen the light at the end of the tunnel with our club, Uh, even though we pissed the first overall draft choice away last year. Thanks for nothing there, Coach, for winning those five meaningless games. But uh, after the Seagirls made the trade for Jamal Adams with the Jets, that seemingly took Seattle out of the picture for re-signing Clowney, who remains a free agent, asking for a ridiculous amount of money. You know, if, if Mike Trout is the most overrated MLB player there is, then JV Clowney is probably the most overrated NFL player. His numbers are just not that good. Uh, You know, the fact that he is asking for some 15 to $18 million a year, listen, you can ask for whatever you want. There's no crime in that, but to think that he's still out there without a contract because he thinks some team's going to fork over $15 million for his three lousy sacks last season. He, He, he's, Never had 10 for his career in a year. Is always hurt. Now, he does play, but you're always reading about how he's hurt. Never been a difference maker. Never say, wow, he's so great on the football field. He he is just shows signs of brilliance. I get that, but he shows a lot of signs of just disappearing. There is no freaking way in the world I would ever, ever come close to $15 million a year for him. So, But he's still out there. And with the trade of Adams going to Seattle and his buddy, you know, the safety came back to the Jets as part of the deal. And now he's telling uh, that that player to go call up the Jets front office and and have them sign me again. When you're asking for the Jets to sign you a team that is destined for last place uh, has a a head coach that doesn't know if he's coming or going. looks like a goofball in the media has an owner who's been labeled a racist who's in a division, which they figured to finish in last place. Uh, the quarterback is 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 up and down, and you don't necessarily know if, if he's your your you know star of the future. Um, I you have to be desperate. You, I mean, there's probably no worse situation than, unless you want to say the Redskins because of all the stuff off the field with the name, but they've and and behind the scenes the sexual um you know stuff going on over there. That's you know all that seemed to calm down. If if you want to eliminate that stuff. Just nuts and bolts, although you can't really limit that stuff, so I shouldn't say that. But just the overall picture, you know, Miami is is horrible, but, you know, they got Tua. I don't think he's going to be any good, but, you know, you seemingly got, you know, the face of the future on the team. Bungles are atrocious, but, you know, you got your quarterback, you know, so you got the future of the football team. You know, Carolina was bad, but you got a new head coach, new direction. Washington was bad, but you get a new head coach. You know, we'll see about Dwayne Haskins. Again, maybe the quarterback of the future there. You run up and down Arizona, nothing great, but Kyler Murray, you know, he did show some signs to my surprise last year being an NFL quarterback. I still think he's a little bit too small, but you know, you have the future there. You don't have any of that with the Jets. I mean, you really don't have any of that. Yeah, you know, again, you got a, a quarterback who is young, but has yet to make his mark. And you got a head coach that people laugh at because he looks like a goofball, Adam Gase. And you got an owner that, that you know, has been accused of being a racist within the last week. So you don't know if he's coming or going. I mean, you got a running back that is only there because the Jets offered him the most money. You don't have any wide receivers. Your defense sucks. You just traded away your best defensive player. So if you're calling out the Jets to sign you, you are desperate. Yeah, I mean, you are really, really, really. Desperate. I don't think the Jets would go down that road. Um, they've never, haven't shown any inclination to signing him. Why would they? But uh, again, when you're asking the Jets to sign you, you're in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. You know, I, I got to tell you, if I'm Cam Newton, I got to be a little pissed. Uh, why? Well, because every time I pick up a newspaper or to- uh, you know or turn on an internet uh, site. I hear my head coach talking about how great I am. Well, why would that make you mad, Scott? Wouldn't you want that? Yeah. You know, you would. Yesterday, however, yesterday, Bill Belichick uh, compared Cam Newton to uh, Miles Jones. And if you're not familiar with him, he's a, a, a star lacrosse player. Belichick loves lacrosse, played lacrosse in college. His daughter is a head coach of uh, one of the smaller schools. I forget which one it is, up up in the New England area. I don't think it's Holy Cross, but one of those. It might be Holy Cross, actually. One of those schools up there. So, you know, lacrosse is in his family, so he likes to use lacrosse references all the time. Lacrosse is big here on the East Coast. So he, he compared Cam uh, to this guy, Miles Jones. He's fast. He's big. He'd be a tough guy to match up against in lacrosse. He could run by them. He could run through them with those stick checks. He'd have a tough time to, with that stick work. A tough overhand shot. So I think all those tall, long guys really have a big advantage of being able to change the angle of their shots, blah, 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 blah. You know, we've read before about Belichick saying how good Cam is. He can do this, he can do that. You know, outside of Lamar Jackson, he was quoted as saying that Cam is the most mobile quarterback and the one that would give him the most fits. I mean, just keeping praise on top of praise on top of praise. So what's the problem, Scott? The problem is if I'm Cam. I'm saying to myself, you know, what the fudge? I signed basically an embarrassingly bad, you know, almost rookie-like contract one year, basically nothing guaranteed uh, for chump change for a player at my stature to come to your team. I couldn't get squat from you when we're negotiating at the table to get a contract, you know, that was at least, uh, you know, seven figures, eight figures, eight figures uh and you were fighting me tooth and nail now all of a sudden once i sign on a dotted line i'm, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread we you know we're renovating the, the the patriot playbook and and we're going to be doing so much more and i'm such a mobile athlete i could be a great lacrosse guy i could be this i could be that you know i'm a danger you know, what happened to that when i was trying to negotiate a, you know a, a 10 million 12 million 15 million dollar contract by then i was a bum then i was out of the league for a year haven't been on a successful team. And you know, the last time the NFL World saw me, I was bitching and complaining about the Super Bowl, or bitching and complaining about this or that, sitting on the sidelines with a towel over my head. I was a mope, I was a dope, you know, I was a nobody. I sign on the dotted line, I buy into that hook line and sinker, and all of a sudden I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Which one is it? So, if if I'm Cam, I I'm like, "Well, you know, wait a minute here, you know. Where was all these props? A month and a half ago, when I was begging the NFL for a job, when no one came a-calling. Yes, you, Belichick, were, you know, one of the guys that reached out to me, and you did offer me a possibility of, uh, you know, being a starter. But, you know, we all know the contract he signed, basically nothing guaranteed uh, money-wise or position-wise. He's got to beat out a second-year player who was, a you know, a basically uh, – uh, a mediocre quarterback at Auburn, you know, Jared Stidham. I mean, you'd like to think that uh, Cam would be able to beat him out, but there were no guarantees, you know, and the money obviously, again, was not there. So now all of a sudden I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. So if I'm, if I'm Cam, I'm just a little like, you know, geez, I would have liked this uh, heap and praise, uh, you know, a couple of months ago when I was trying to get a contract. How about Darius Guys, You know, I'll tell you what, um, you know, you don't have a heart if you're not rooting for this guy. Set to go, he got medical clearance yesterday for the 2020 season. Announced it on Twitter, naturally, 2020, that he's been officially cleared after recovering from uh, the MCL sprain that ended his 2019 season. Of course, this came after the 2000 torn ACL that ruined his uh, rookie season. So he came into the league in 2018 as a second-round pick. Uh, first game or two, I forget, but right away, beginning, uh, actually preseason, actually, uh, he tears his ACL his first year, doesn't get to play, cost him the entire season. Then he comes back, plays a couple of games, 2019. Then he he sprains his MCL and torn meniscus, so he's done for 2019 as well. Uh, Did come back late in the year, but, you know, the poor guy has just uh, had a terrific, you know, unlike Jared Siddham. He had a terrific college career at LSU. He thought he was going to be the face of the franchise. Now he's trying to beat out a 40-year-old running back, which he can't do, in Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, so knock on wood for him. He got medical clearance. Uh, he announced yesterday that he could get back onto the practice field for Washington and, and hopefully this poor guy can just play a season because he, you know, I don't know if he's going to be any good or not. Again, he was terrific in college. Not that that means anything, you know, in, in the NFL, but uh, if you want to root for a guy who's had some struggles, uh, Darius guys would be it. I mean, to have that many injuries in such a short period of time for a running back in particular, you know, not an offensive lineman where you just need your quickness. I mean, you, you need to be fast as a running back, obviously. Uh, and there are so many guys, you know, a, a fat offensive lineman can last in the NFL forever because there are so few of them. But running backs, as we all know, they're a dime a dozen they are easily be uh, easily replaced, and uh, let's just hope for his sake that he can actually get out there and just try and play because, uh, you know, God forbid he should hurt himself again. Good gravy. You know, I hate to even say it, put the, put the kiss of death on him, but can you imagine if he got hurt again? Ooh. You talk about just being disaster, just absolute disaster. That would obviously be it. So, all right, 844-843-6879. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in as we take you right up until the top of the hour. Bagels and bad beats on a Tuesday morning. Phone calls, emails, tweets, all that right here.
1: about where he's been entertaining himself potentially. And um, I guess my question is, what do you know about that? What can you share with us about Lou Williams and his journey right now? Well, I can't share much of his journey because I, I wasn't on that journey with him. <laughs> 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 Neither was I. Uh, but he's back here, I can tell you that much. And, um, you know, obviously those got out and that's something that uh, we obviously didn't enjoy seeing or like, as far as social media, listen, I'm an old man. So, you um, I I advise them to be smart, um, but I don't try to control it much. Uh, As far as the social uh, justice stuff, we talk about that all the time. Uh, But not as far as uh, social media and content, just as far as
2: knowledge. first head coach, Doc Rivers on the Lou Williams situation and just uh, in general, what the people need to do and not need to do. Yeah, and basically what he's saying is if you're going to break the rules, be smart about it. Don't be a dope. You know, don't be taking pictures of yourself, breaking the rules, post it on social media, and then expect people to buy into the fact that you didn't break the rule, right? you know, And that's basically what Lou Williams did. Uh, NBA season is starting on Thursday. We are two days away. We have two games, including the Clippers and Lou Williams, who won't be able to play against the Lakers. And then you got the the uh, Zion Williamson-led Pelicans, although it's not confirmed he's going to play, although I would be surprised if he didn't because his court, according to the timeline, he can play. He'll be able to sit out the four days that he has to quarantine himself, make sure he's healthy again, seemingly took all the tests while he was away for the week plus. So, there shouldn't be anything on the surface that would prevent him from playing, you know, as long as he's in game shape. And you know, listen, he's a 22 year old, 21, whatever he is. To, he's a 20 year old kid. You know, how, how bad a shape could he be in, you know, even if he didn't practice for a week and a half? So, I fully, fully, fully expect him. And right now on FanDuel, anyway, they're only a two point favorite. Now, without him in the lineup, they're still pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I'd necessarily be uh, playing them if uh, he's not playing, but you know what? The NBA wants him to to and the, he wants the Pelicans to make the postseason. So you give me the Pelicans lane even two against a jazz team that's just you know, playing for seedings. And I don't think they really care about that. You know, they're not fighting for a number one or a number two seed. I, I mean, it, it and it doesn't matter. It really, you know, Uh, you know, they're not fighting for a number one anyway. It it doesn't matter. They're so far. What's the difference? Without home field advantage, without home court advantage, it doesn't matter literally if you're a one or a six. You know, maybe you want to avoid the Clippers and Lakers in the first round of the postseason. But other than that, and I don't think they would fall to seven and eight. They're not that far. Uh, You know, they're playing for nothing. Most of the NBA is really playing for nothing. The Eastern Conference is all locked up. Washington has a prayer to get into the 8-9 hole, but they're not getting the number seven spot. So best case scenario, they're, they're playing that 8-9 matchup. So maybe they're playing for a little something. But otherwise, Milwaukee has the number one seed locked up, and everything else is for seedings. And without home court, you know, without having to travel, it's it's all right in front of you. I don't think – maybe fans care. I won't say that. Fans might care about who they're matching up against, first round and second round. But do players care whether they're facing Indiana or Miami uh, or even Boston? Uh, No, you know, in in the West, do they care if they're facing you know Denver or Utah or the Spurs make it or Portland? They don't care. They 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 really don't care. They don't break it down like we do as a fan or a host. Uh, They just don't. You know, maybe just maybe again. They'll want to steer clear of the Lakers and Clippers in the West and then maybe Milwaukee in the East. But I don't think they're afraid of Toronto. I don't think they're afraid of Boston. I don't think they're afraid of Miami. We're really going to have eight games of just meaningless basketball, just absolutely meaningless basketball. There was no reason in the world for the NBA to have this many games. And I think if they had their druthers and were able to do it all over again, I'm sure – they would have said, and again, I will say you, I've, I've said this We know without Zion, if New Orleans was 10 games out and Zion wasn't part of the picture, I bet you without a doubt, they would have done something like the NBA did and just said, or, or NHL did and just said, all right, you know what? Maybe we'll have a little play in right away, a little best of five, like the NHL is doing. We'll figure out who the last teams in are, and then we'll just get this postseason underway because. You know, the pot at the end of the rainbow is the playoffs. It's not these eight regular season games. Why screw around with eight meaningless regular season games when the only thing that can realistically happen is players come down with the coronavirus or players get bored with being there and they just say, boy, this postseason hasn't even started yet and we're sitting here in a regular season meaningless game. Why would you encourage that and want that? Wouldn't you want to avoid that? Wouldn't you want to get the season over with, you know, ASAP? So four games should have been enough. Give them a couple of games to get their feet wet. Get them used to, you know, uh, the situation down in Orlando, the fans and no fans in the arena and everything else. Uh, But not not eight. It really is. is a joke. So but we have two games and I'll tell you on FanDuel, uh, Kevin Walsh and I were talking about this uh, on in game live, our TV show that we do last night. I tell you, I, I love over four and a half. Now, you got to lay a little bit of a vig. They have over under totals on how many wins a team will have of the eight games that they're going to be playing. And New Orleans, which is fighting for its playoff lives, which does have the NBA behind them, which will have Zion back with them, if, if not for game number one. Although I think he'll play there. But for the seven other games, barring injury or a virus outbreak. So their over under is only four and a half. Minus 145. Don't like laying that big. I don't, but I got to tell you, I'd rather lay the minus 145 than I would get it at five or five and a half. With their schedule, as we've outlined before, it's ridiculously easy. I mean, th- there is just no two ways about it. They want the Pelicans in the postseason. They will get every benefit of the doubt. Uh, they do play Utah and the Clippers, okay. But again, the Clippers are playing for nothing. Then they got Memphis stinks, Sacramento stinks, Washington stinks, San Antonio stinks, Sacramento again stinks, and Orlando. I mean, how in the world? You know, let's say they could get a split out of Utah and the Clippers. You know, so you go one and one. How are they not going to beat Memphis, Sacramento, Washington, Spurs, Sacramento again, Orlando? How are they not winning four of those games? Again, knowing that the NBA is behind them and they want to get Zion into the postseason. Boy, I, I just love uh, – and if they win tonight – or, excuse me, tonight – if they win Thursday and get game number one under their belt in their quest for five wins, then you're really setting yourself up to have an easy winner. Well, I, I just – I think that is one of the best bets I have seen in a long, long, long time. We brought it up before on this show. When you look at the schedules of these NBA teams, New Orleans has two games, two, against clubs with winning records, Utah and the Clippers. That's it. Everyone else under 500. Memphis, the team they're trying to catch, has a schedule that includes five teams with winning records. Portland, a team they're trying to catch or is battling New Orleans for that last playoff spot, has six teams with winning records. Spurs another one of those teams that is trying to get in into that number 8 or 9 hole, five playoff seat or five teams with winning records. Only Sacramento, but you know the, the Queens are falling apart at the seams. I mean the whole freaking team sadly is out with the coronavirus. So they only have 3, but it's 3 last time I checked is still more than 2. I mean the, there is just no way in the world with the NBA going out of its way to give the, the Pelicans a cupcake schedule like they did that they're not going to make sure that they at least have a fighting chance at it and a fighting chance to me is five and three. I, I just, uh, I just love that. I really, I I think that is absolutely the best play on the board I've seen in a long, long time. It's sounds suspiciously too good to be true, you know, but you know, maybe, maybe you hold off and find out if Zion's going to play Thursday but again, there doesn't seem to be any reason why he wouldn't. And again, if he didn't play Thursday, I, he seemingly is on pace to play all the other games. I'd be surprised. Like I said, I, I'd just be shocked. I really, I, I think that is a great, great play to play New Orleans over four and a half. Uh, I'll lay the the, the minus one forty. Um, I, I think it's a, a good, a good play. I, I really do. You know, this is a story I didn't, I didn't get to last week. Um, this makes you know, it makes you scratch your head a little bit. Remember Jimmer Fredette, you know, he bounced around the league a little bit. Uh, former number one overall pick, uh, began his, not overall, excuse me, former first-round pick. Uh, drafted by the Queens, you know, played a little bit, had a cup of coffee with the Bulls and the Pelicans. Uh, a little bit with the Knicks as well. Went overseas, was playing uh, with a Greek team. I think that was the Rick Patino team, the Panthea, whatever, 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 coast team. Uh, I think that was Rick's team. Um... Maybe not, not, not positive, but he signed a two year deal with, with the Greek league team and his contract was cut short last week, uh, making him a free agent. So what's the problem? No problem. But you know, he averaged 12 points a game was 13 points a game, 12.9. I just wonder whatever happened to him, because if you remember him in college, as I do at BYU, he was terrific. 11th player taken overall in the 2011 NBA draft now that was nine years ago I get that 10 years ago so it's been a little while but he never caught on just never um I'd like to know why not you know because the guy in college uh could shoot lights out was he too slow was he too small you know what prevented him from being a really good NBA player and more importantly you know what did they think they were getting from him that they didn't end up getting you know i said that about tim tebow many years ago when denver moved up in the draft to draft tebow um you know what did they think they were getting in tebow when they worked him out that they realized you know we're not getting this you know tebow you know he he looked great in in a workout but uh even though he won you know all the football games including a playoff game for the broncos they obviously moved on when they were able to get peyton manning and, 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 you know, and played a little bit with the Jets, but basically that is signed with Philadelphia. It was on the Patriots practice team a little bit as well. But, you know, what did they think? What did the NFL experts think they were getting out of t that they didn't? And in the case of for that same thing. You know, what, what did they – is he too – they didn't notice he was too slow. They didn't notice he was, he was too small. They didn't notice he couldn't shoot. You know, what was it? that they thought they were getting with Fredette. And and I'm going to use him, but I really, I, I say this about a lot of guys um, it, when it comes to the draft. What did they think they were getting that they really did not? You know, in the case of Fredette, it's not like he was one year in college at BYU and they said, all right, we're going to draft him because we think the potential is through the roof. I mean, you know, not that you got a finished product with him, but he had success. He wasn't a one-year wonder guy. He had been there I'm guessing three years uh, had success at BYU carried the team and yet he couldn't stick in the NBA. So it's just strange. You see these guys bounce around the league a little bit, a little bit that are high draft choices. And you just say, you know, what, what, what was it? Um, The the Morrison kid from Gonzaga that was taken by Charlotte. You know, I think of him saying thing, you know, Uh, He couldn't even last a few years in the NBA. He he was a complete bust. Like, what did they see in him during these workouts that they thought he was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread? But in reality, it turned out not not to be the case. Um, I'd I'd like to know. Uh, Knicks get their guy. So Tom Thibodeau is going to be the new Knicks head coach. That was announced uh, two days ago. We didn't really mention it too much yesterday, but uh, good job by the Knicks. I, I think he's going to do wonders for that team. I, I really do. I think he a got a, respect, uh, a respectability uh, with that club that has not had in a long, long, long time. They thought they were getting it with Phil Jackson, but they did not. So, good job by the Knicks. I don't know if he's going to be able to attract any free agents, but at least on paper, the Knicks seem to be doing something right, and we've not been able to say that too often over the last, ooh, I don't know, 15 years believe it or not. Why he didn't want to come back to New York, I'm not sure, but he is, and the Knick fans get the better. close up shop next. He's got went from Vegas with a bad
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Disgusting Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel.
2: All right, Bagels and Bad Beats on a Tuesday morning. We'll wrap up shop with some stories. We didn't have time uh, to get to too much. First up, though, let us find a winner for you with the boys in Vegas. Now, the line is not posted. Uh, and I don't like putting plays in on lines that aren't posted. However, I will do this, despite what I said earlier about the Red Sox games all going under because of the monster totals. But we're going to go over Boston and the Mets. Why? Because there are two pitchers going for Boston and the Mets that I'd ever heard of. Uh, Matt Hall for the Red Sox, David Peterson for the Mets. Uh, and to make matters really beneficial for runs being scored, both are lefties. Mets are a predominantly right-hand hitting team. Red Sox are a predominantly right-hand hitting team, and you got Fenway Park with the Green Monster. I'm assuming this number is going to be around 12, but both bullpens suck. I'm gonna go over. Let's you know, hope it's not 12 and a half. But this is setting up to be, you know, a nine-five-nine-six type of game. So we're gonna go over uh, Red Sox and Mets. Uh, as far as stories that uh, we didn't have a chance to delve into. Former utility man Michael Morse tweeted yesterday that he's ready to come back. He hasn't played in a couple of years. LL's podcast subscribers should take note of that name. You should know why that's an extra special story. Uh, Free agent guard Isaiah Thomas posted a video on his uh, Instagram saying that he's working out with the Chicago Bulls. So maybe, just maybe. Sad, you know, he—he he you talk about a guy that was at the top of the NBA pedestal when he was with the Celtics. Injuries, though, has just failed his career. Seattle offensive lineman Chase, uh, Chance Warmack has decided not to play this season. Didn't play last year. He had a death in the family due to the coronavirus, which is sad. Uh, you know what's not sad? Guy gets to collect $350,000, even though he's not going to play it down because he's going to be able to not play because of the coronavirus. That's the deal that they signed with the owners. Not bad. Great job by the phone callers, emailers, and tweeters. We'll do it all again tomorrow right here. Big a bad beach, but yours truly, Scott Wetzel. Be safe.